0: Decades, and they were coming back on, a, on one of the, the big ships, and they were coming back into New York Harbor. And as they were coming back in, there was also a, a politician on the boat with them. He was returning. He would just uh, been instrumental in uh, securing some kind of treaty with some foreign powers. And so as they came back into New York Harbor, there was a big celebration. There was a band playing, people lining the streets, waving flag, confetti, and just a whole bunch of hoopla. But it was all for the politician. And when the couple, the elderly couple, got off the boat, there wasn't even anyone from their sending mission agency to meet them. They had been gone so long. And the wife, sadly... Looked at her husband and said, Wow, it's kind of hard coming back home and into this kind of just no really reception. And her husband looked at her, and reminded her, and he said, We aren't home yet. We need to remember that. We're not home yet. This world is not going to celebrate. They're not going to encourage, they're not going to applaud us serving for Jesus. But when we do get there, oh my, that's going to be a great time. Turn with me to the third chapter of the book of Malachi. We're going to be finishing up this study about restoring worship this morning. This whole series, Malachi, is about restoring worship. This will be our last Message in this book as we go into chapter 4 and uh, Malachi's had quite a bit to say and I hope you've heard God's word about having a heart for worship as we have gone through this but this morning I want us to look at the reward for the faithful as we look at Especially Malachi 3:13 through 4-3, but we are going to read through the end of the book. So if you're able and willing, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of the word. And I will begin reading with verse 13 out of Malachi 3. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say. How have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. For behold, the day is coming burning like an oven when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. That day, the day that is coming, shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will will leave them neither root nor branch but for you. ...who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Orb for all Israel... Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Father, we thank you for this word. God, we thank you for the promises that are contained here. And Father, we thank you for that bright future for those of us who are trusting in Christ. Father, may we be found faithful. And may we be about your business of sharing the good news of Jesus that that multitude might even be increased. We ask and pray this in his precious name. Amen. Well, thank you for that. It's just, it's been a good... I've enjoyed uh, these messages through the Book of Malachi. I hope you have found them so. I know many of what he's, or much of what he says is, has been challenging and convicting, and has been to me as well. But uh, we need to take this to heart. Again, our, our, our vision, our goal, is to be people who love God supremely. And it's talking about a genuine heart for worship. That's the only way we're going to be able to do that. And here at this end of the book, uh, there's two groups of people. It's always through the Bible, there's there's two groups of people. And for all of what God has been saying through Malachi, this this one group just doesn't get it. They're thinking it's, it's not worth it. They're thinking there's, there's no point. And if we, if we're honest, we can be there. We can get to that point. Sometimes as believers, sometimes living out our faith in a, an increasingly hostile world where we, we don't see the immediate positive results of that. We're, we're, we're more and more moved to the sidelines of life and in Christianity is just seen as so unimportant by a growing majority of people. And, and we can, if we're honest, sometimes wonder, hey, if I got this thing wrong. And sometimes when we see others doing very well, and we're struggling as believers, we can sometimes think, what's going on? What, what's going What's God up to or what's he not up to? And they were doing the same thing. So this is relevant to us today. But I want us to look at how this first group responds and makes judgments based on circumstances and then how we who believe Christ what our approach should be and what the difference is and what difference that's going to make. This first group, we see it in verses 13 through 15. These are the nominal Christians. And normally, when you hear that word, you're talking about people that are going through the motions. These are basically people who don't really know Jesus. They might profess it, but their life certainly doesn't show it and these people they they were they were coming to worship they were going through the motions and yet what's their heart show god says your words talking to this group he said your words have been hard against me and of course they're they're going to say what are you talking about what do you mean they're still in rebellion. And God points it out. He says, you have said, you guys, you group, you guys that are going through the motions, you're saying, maybe not out loud, but in your heart you're saying, it is vain. It is useless. There is no profit in serving God. They're, they're, they're frustrated. and And... So he gives, them, he gives them specifics. When they say, how have we spoken against you? He said, Three things. One, it is vain to serve you. And then they say, if you look, it says, what is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning? That means about what, what they're actually saying is, not only is it vain to serve you, we don't get anything from it, we actually miss out on the good things. We see these other people. They're living life. They're having a great time. And we're coming to church. We're coming to worship. And, and people are out there having fun. They're having a big time. They're partying on the weekend, sleeping late. I had to get up this morning early. I had to get up at like nine. How I could be here? How to get? What time do you get up for work? It's amazing. Anyway, that's a. But they said that causes us to miss out on life, and then this is what we're seeing now with a lot of the world. And now we call the arrogant, blessed, evildoers not only prosper, they put God to the test and they escape. They're actually saying we're on the wrong side. We're, the ones that are blessed are actually the ones that you say are doing evil. What do we hear Today, you Christians are on the wrong side of history. Need to figure this out. World's leaving you behind. You keep reading that old-fashioned, out-of-date book, and you're on the wrong side of history. That's what's going on today. Well, what, what what's actually happened? They're making judgments based on their present circumstances. They see this going on around them, and they're they're focused on their experience, and they're not looking at the stability and the faithfulness and the promises of God. They're judging by right now in their life, and people today are doing the same thing. They're saying, hey, these people that that aren't going to church, that aren't tithing, they're not giving, uh, you know... We got hit, some of us got hit for uh, for giving, uh, you know, that one-eyed blind, uh, well, one-eyed and blind, that doesn't work, Uh, but that mangy goat or whatever we gave it, these people aren't giving anything, and they're doing okay. They're actually doing better okay. And we want to be like them. They're getting hit up by the prosperity of the wicked. They're seeing the wicked prosper. Read Psalm 73. That's what that's all about. And it's frustrating. The psalmist agrees. It's frustrating. And then he came back into the house of God and he looked at their end. He looked at how they're going to end up in eternity. And he realized it is worthwhile to serve God. We've got people today, this you know nominal Christianity approach. This try Jesus. I've actually seen that sign going down the interstate on I forty as we go to Tennessee. Somewhere in the gorge there, someone's put several signs along the miles, and just says "Try Jesus." That's. That's garbage. There's no trying Jesus. Jesus is not a 30-day self-help. He's not something you just try like a diet or a fad so you can have a better life in 30 days. But we buy into that. People say, well, you know, in, in different phases of their life, a lot of times we see this at the beginning of a new year, a lot of times you'll see it with uh, the birth of children. Haven't been in church, got children now. Well, hey, maybe this ought to be a good time. I think we ought to try church for a while. Ought to try Jesus. Sometimes they we'll wait until the, their, their children start going south, start having problems. Then, then they're going to try Jesus. Maybe it's you lose a job or, or have this transition. Something's not going right. Well, let's try Jesus, what, does, what, what kind of commitment do you have when you try a diet? I, I, I won't ask for a show of hands how many people have been on different diets over the last 10 years or what have you. But the, God is different. He's not that. It, it, we're just looking for something that works. Well, how do you define Works. What is success? I mean, you come, you start reading your Bible, you maybe give some money, six months later, your kid's still having trouble. What's your conclusion? Jesus doesn't work. And so you just give up. Because you were looking for a outcome. Because you know what? If you're on a diet for six months and you gain weight. Didn't work, did it? I mean, that's not rocket science. But we'll try that with, with the things of God. It's like we're putting God in a box and say, okay, I'm going, I'm going to sacrifice God. I'm actually going to try doing things your way and we'll, we'll do it for a No. No. When you come to Jesus you come out of a Holy Spirit driven conviction that you're a sinner and you need a Savior and that he is real and he is the only thing and if it's real you don't come to him thinking well I'm going to try Jesus unless no it's it's a hundred percent you're in the boat you're 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 in you're all in. you don't hold anything back. There's no trying this when Jesus calls a person, He calls them to die to self. We had a guy at stony Point he was. He was hardcore in this. Uh, his family didn't come to church. Or maybe they did and he didn't. And he started coming. And this cat, he read through the Bible in like two weeks. Read the whole Bible. And then he wanted to do things. He put in a security system. So he, he put in a security system at the pastor's house and at my house. For free. Because he... And he was just gung-ho doing stuff because he was looking for something. He was putting something in so he wanted something out. And when, after a few months, that didn't happen in his mind, he was gone. He was gone. Because he didn't really understand what's going on. He's not a genie in the bottle. He's not here to... Do things for us at our whim. He is the king. Remember what Malachi was saying at the beginning. My name is great. It is to be great amongst the nations. I'm the king. When you're a citizen of a country that has a king, you know you don't just pop in and, and tell the king what you'd like to happen. Because he's the king. He tells you what you're gonna do well we got we got too many people trying you know the tail wagging the dog here God's not like that and that's uh... people are just just missing that but thankfully there is a group who fear the Lord because that's what we're called to do fear the Lord and serve him And this group here we see in verses 16 and 18, they spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention. It's not like he didn't know they were there. But it's like when we worship out of true hearts, when we are his and we serve him and honor him, he is aware of that and he responds With his presence to us. And it says a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. These were the people that weren't focused on the circumstances. They weren't in it on a trial basis. They weren't in it to get something out of it. They didn't come in with an approach of what's in it for me. What And you know so many people come... What can the church do for me? How about what can you do in the name of Jesus to serve him and your fellow church members? That's what these folks were. They were giving honor to him. They were making his name great amongst the nations. They were like Jesus said in the fourth chapter of John. They were worshiping in spirit and in truth. And it makes a difference. I want you to turn to Mark, the New Testament book of Mark, chapter 8. This is the only other place I'm going to have you turn this morning. I want you to notice something. Jesus was not afraid to challenge the people. He wasn't so seeker-sensitive that he was worried about offending somebody. He wasn't going to do a whole bunch of gimmicks to get people. He just told them the truth. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, and he's talking to a group of people, a multitude, a crowd, And his disciples were there with him. And he says, In calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Jesus was just forthright with people. You know, and, and I've said this before, but it, just in case you haven't heard it, when Jesus says there in verse 34, when he says, let him take or deny himself and take up his cross, he was not talking about a piece of jewelry that we wear around our necks. That did not exist then. The cross meant one thing. If you would have had a symbol around your neck, a little piece of jewelry, you know what that would have been in our terms? It would have been an electric chair or a hangman's noose. When you see an electric chair or a hangover's noose, what do you think of? You think of physical death. That's what a, cru- that's what a cross meant to these people. The Romans killed people on crosses. They, they, this, Jesus was not the first one that died on a cross. When he says, take up his cross, they knew what he meant. They knew he was talking about, you are dying to your way of living But when you do that it's going to be worth it and we need to keep sight of that and it's not in this life always and a lot of times it's not in this life we're to serve him we're to look for his kingdom Jesus told us told his disciples there in the sermon on the mount when he's talking about prayer he said you pray Pray to the Father, and what do you pray? Thy will be done, not ours. It's not about us. It's about Him, and it's about bringing Him glory in this life and in the life to come. But the great thing is, when 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 we're sold out to the Savior, He knows us. A book of remembrance was written. You read in John chapter 10, the passage in the great shepherd, and guess what? The shepherd knows his sheep. He knows our name. He knows your name. The world might not know your name. The world might not care about you. But the eternal creator of the heavens and the earth knows your name personally. You ever thought about that? Have you ever really just dwelt on that when you're just feeling insignificant and, and, and frustrated and confused? You just remember that Jesus, the one who spoke, and all this came into being, he knows your name. He knows you. And if you've come to him in faith, your name is written. In the book of life. Wow. Think, okay, well, I don't have a new car, I don't have a vacation home, I don't get to go do this because you know I, I give to the church, I give to missions, and I'm I'm missing out on this vacation, I'm missing out on that. Hey, my name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. While eternity rolls, I'm not gonna be missing out on anything. We need to quit looking at this world. And we need to start looking at the world to come. And living in light of glory. We ought to be excited that our name's in the book. And if it's not, it can be. It's not too late. Because, see, they were thinking that this one group that... It wasn't worth it. God says, hey, there's a day coming. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. There is a difference now. We don't see it, but it will be one day made very clear. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. That day is coming, and it shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts. But look at verse 2. But for you who fear my name, the Son of righteousness shall rise with healings in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stalls. You shall tread down the wicked, for they will be as ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. There is coming a day, his day of judgment. And for those of us who fear him, that's a reverent fear. That's a a fear of, of worship, understanding that he's God and we're not. And when we have that, the son of righteousness, and that's, that's a, that's a uh, messianic language. is talking about that day, that time period when Christ comes and sets up his kingdom on earth. The son itself, but the son Jesus, the son of God will be reigning. And that day will be a day of righteousness and it'll be a day of healing. And it'll be great and grand Inglorious. Don't. Don't. Give up. Stand firm in the faith. The apostle Paul. In Romans 8.18 said this. And I know that many of you. Many of you in this room. Struggle. You suffer. You have things happening that you don't understand. There's no explanation for Remember this, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Romans 8.18. We've got to stay focused on that day. Now there's only two paths in this life. There's only two groups of people we have talked about that. There's many that They say it's not worth it. It's it's, it's just too hard. So they're going going the broad way, the easy way. Jesus talked about that again in the Sermon on the Mount. He said there's there's a way that's got a, a wide gate. It's a broad path. There's a lot of people on it. only problem, that path leads to death and destruction and eternal torment. That other path, the gate's straight and the way's narrow, but it leads to life leads to life not only a quality of life in this world but a duration of eternalness in the life to come and a life that is filled with glory Jesus is the door only only option only way in but he's standing here this morning not physically but spiritually he's here with us His presence is here. And as we come together at this table, I want you to examine your life, Heather, and the musicians are coming. We're going to have a time of response before we enter the table. As I said, the table is reserved for those who are His. But if you're not, you can be. If you realize that that you're still outside the faith, Jesus is there and he's calling and he's the door and it's an open door and for those of us that are in the faith this is a time if you're one of his sheep this is a time for us to come together to worship as a family it's not a time to go through the motions it's about pure worship before a holy king there's things you need to repent of you don't have to come tell. you just come pray and pray there wherever you're at but this is a time of preparation for us that we can come to the table in a worthy manner so I ask all of us that we would do business whatever business he's got for us but do business with the master that we'll be able to take in a worthy manner Father, I just thank you for your presence here through your Holy Spirit. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he is the door to life. Father, that he has come and he has done all that's necessary. We don't need to do anything. But, Father, as we are convicted of our need for a Savior, we just repent and believe and trust in him as our Lord and Master. So, Father, you call those who need to come that this can be a glorious day for them. And, Father, that your church and your kingdom will be strengthened. We ask and pray this in Christ's name. Amen.